Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Welcome to Bluffy Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Visa Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you. Joining me in segment number two, we've got Justin Perry. He does great work over at Chalk Quality Bets. We got to talk to him because he is a New York Yankees fan about what's been happening with that fine organization, the ups and downs of the offense, to say the least. We're going to be diving into the slate for Sunday and some of the things that have slash have not been working out for him, some of the angles that he's going to be taking a look at for the Sunday card in the final segment. Going to get you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at Jaden underscore D1. Keep in mind, Lurzium, maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire and whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a fun day of baseball on Saturday. Let's take a look back at it. Try to find some transit. Try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. You may recall with my DK and Asian pick on Friday, I was trusting Luis Severino to be able to hold an under. Looks like he is untrustworthy. He gives up nine runs, seven of which were earned in four innings against the Cardinals as the Yankees lost game one of this double dip by a count of 11-4, hitting home runs off of him. And on Gorman's 16th home run season, Paul Goldschmidt is 15th. From there, the bullpen wasn't too bad, though. There was lots of rain delays in this one. Albert Abreu, pair of outs out the bullpen scoreless. Matt Crook, he gave up two runs in one and a third innings. He was a crook to your bankroll, I guess. Josh Donaldson, actually a really nice setting. He pitched quite well. And then Nick Ramirez, he threw a scoreless setting as well. For the Yankees, you had Jake Bowers be able to get his seventh home run of the season. As for the Yankees, they were unable to get to Jack Flaherty. He goes six scoreless innings. You had from there one run given up. By James Nele in two innings before Drew Verhagen gives up that home run. Three runs in total over the course of an inning. And you'll see Yankees were able to carry that positive momentum into game two. They went 6-2 in what was a full-on bullpen game for them. Michael King was pretty much a bulk guy. He gives up no runs in three and a third innings. Ron Medanakio does give up a run in one and two-thirds innings. And Ian Hamilton, the opener, did allow a home run in his first inning of work. Lars Newtbar gets his fifth home run season. But Juani Peralta, Clay Holmes, 
Tommy Canely all come up with a scoreless inning. And for the Yankees, they did a good job of getting to Matthew Libertor, who gave up three runs in four and a third innings. Been a rough go of it for him. From there, you had Chris Stratton give up three runs, all of which were earned while getting just four outs. Dakota Hudson, it's been a while since we've seen him. Two and two-thirds inning scoreless, and Andre Pallante was able to lend a pair of outs out of the bullpen scoreless, so a split on that doubleheader. The San Diego Padres, well, they slammed the Cincinnati Reds. 12-5 to the final for San Diego. Michael Walker continues to be terrific. One run surrendered over the course of five innings. Luis Garcia was not terrific. He gave up four runs in his inning of work, including a home run to Jonathan India. It was of the Grand Slam variety, his 11th of the campaign, but Tom Cosgrove, Brett Honeywell, Tim Hill, they all lend a scoreless setting in. You add a pair of home runs from Manny Machado, gets his 10th and 11th home runs of the season, and then Juan Soto gets his 15th of the campaign as Brandon Williamson. Actually, one of his better starts, allowing two runs in five innings, and then the bullpen from there had things go sideways. Buck Farmer allows a pair of home runs, one to Soto and one to Machado, as he allows three runs, two of which were earned in his inning of work. Alec Mills, a former Cubs not so great, gives up five runs, including the other home run to Machado, two of which were earned in his inning of work, before you have two runs and two innings, given up by Eduardo Salazar. So, a Padres team that has been the best of the under in all of baseball, they end up having this game go over, and this team has been very good to the over on the road, and they played another over on the road, the LA Dodgers, but they lose in this one by a count of 6 of 4. The Dodgers, by the way, a north of 64% of their road games to the over for the Dodgers. You had Julio Arias come off the injury list, and he did not look great, giving up five runs over the course of three innings. Bullpen from there was not bad. You had Ryan Brazier give up an unearned run in two innings of work. Phil Bickford, two scoreless innings. Broussard Gradwell, scoreless inning, but for the Dodgers, they do strand 10 men on base. Daniel Lynch, not a great start, but enough to be able to get it done. Three runs surrendered in five innings. Carlos Hernandez, two scoreless innings before Scott Barlow gets the final four outs of the game. Scoreless, and Taylor Clark did allow a run in two-thirds of an inning. So the Royals, they're trying to keep pace with the Oakland A's as these two teams are battling it out for a worse record in the big leagues as the A's. They're able to get back-to-back wins. They take down the Chicago White Sox by a count of 7-6 in 10 innings. For Dylan Cease, Gives up three runs at five and a third innings. Honestly, he's worth starting quite some time. Gregory Santos, pair of outs out of the bullpen. Keenan Middleton, he goes an inning along a run. And, and one run was a sole home run to Mr. Seth Brown in seventh home run season. And two runs surrendered by Joe Kelly in an inning. Joe Kelly completely blows this one as Reynaldo Lopez goes for a scoreless inning before Kendall Graveman. Lousy under run in the tenth inning that plays the W. Eloy Jimenez gets his 11th home run season as Kyle Mueller. Got the start in this one, first time in quite a while for him, and he didn't look bad, he didn't look great. He gave up four walks, six hits, and five innings, giving up three runs, including that homer from there. Austin Pruitt, Trevor May, they both under squirrel settings. Sammy Long gets it out of the bullpen, and yeah, Lucas Ursage give up three runs of one and two-thirds innings. The regression for him has been real, but Shintaro Fujinami gets his fourth win of the season despite having a 9.57 ERA, posting up a scoreless inning. The Minnesota Twins have played right around 58.5% of their road games to the under, and this one couldn't have been any lower scoring. 1-0. Twins are able to get it done as Bailey Ober was on his game. Seven scoreless innings, Griffin Jacks, Yohan Durham from there. Both a scoreless inning for the Twins. Not a lot doing other than a Joey Gallus home run. He goes deep off of Kyle Bradish, 15th home run season. And got a feel for Bradish. He does give up seven hits, but just that one run allowed in six innings. Mike Bauman, Denny Columbia, and Ian Cano, they all lend a scoreless inning, but not enough for the Orioles to be able to get it done there. The Philadelphia Phillies were absolutely on one on Saturday as they take it to the uh, Washington Nationals 19-4. The final as 
for the Phillies. Madipa was working for this team as they get to Mackenzie Gore, who allowed seven runs while getting eight outs, including one of those home runs. The man that took him deep, Mr. Alec Bohm, gets his eighth home run season. Then a little bit later on, he would get home run number nine of the season as you had a four runs surrendered by Amos Willingham, who went one and a third innings. He allowed two home runs as the other home run was the Nick Cassianos 11th home run season. Thaddeus Ward gives one up to Kyle Schwarber. His 22nd home run season as Ward gives up four runs in two-thirds of an inning. He also had Joe Lasora give up four runs while getting just one out of the bullpen. From there, you did have Corey Abbott, Ilyarmo Vargas as a position player, and Jose Ferrar all get scoreless innings. And he did have home run at number four of the season for Dominic Smith as this wasn't necessarily a great start for Zach Wheeler. He gives up four runs over the course of five innings, including that home run. But with the way that the Phillies provided run support, it was more than enough because Phillies got all 19 of those runs in the first five innings of the game. Andrew Vasquez, two scoreless innings. Dylan Covey, two scoreless innings. We had the Boston Red Sox go on the road. They get their second straight win. They take down the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 7-6. to six. The Blue Jays have been one of your top home under teams thus far this season as well with 62.2% of their home games going under. But for Boston, Cutter Crawford, he made two mistakes, two solo home runs in five and two-thirds innings, allowing two runs in total as George Springer got his 12th home run season and Boba Shett his 15th. A little bit later on, Josh Winkowski, this was not a win. He gives one up to Matt Chapman, 11th home run season for Winkowski. gives up three runs, two of which were earned in his two innings of work. Kenley Jansen tried to blow this one, but gets a four-out save, allowing one run along the way in. For the Red Sox, Rafael Devers was able to get home run number 20 of the season off of Yusei Kikuchi and for Justin Turner down for what? Takes Eric Swanson deep for his 13th to be able to provide a little bit of insurance for Kikuchi. Another rough start for him. Somehow it's 7-3 with five runs surrendered in four and a third innings, including one of those home runs. Trevor Richards from there, one run surrendered in one and a third innings. Nate Pearson far outside the bullpen scoreless. Yumi Garcia scoreless saying and Eric Swanson. Gives up the home run to Turner in his ending of work. The Milwaukee Brewers got their offense rocking and rolling. 11-8, they take down the Pittsburgh Pirates. For the Pirates, you had Yohan Oviedo walk the plank, giving up eight runs over the course of five innings, including home run going deep. For Milwaukee, Christian Yelich's 10th home run season. Then how about home run number three of the campaign for Ramiel Tapia? I'm not sure why he went to the Milwaukee Brewers, but they were able to acquire him and he would go deep in this one off of Ronzi Contreras, who has not been good in the bullpen. Three runs surrendered in two and a third innings. Colin Lunderman, pair of outside the bullpen, and Yuri De Los Santos was able to get a scoreless inning. And then for the Brewers, they very nearly had a bullpen collapse as they gave up a six spot in the eighth inning, including Jack Swinitsky being able to get home run number 17 of the season. This after Corbin Burns went solid, gave up two runs over the course of seven innings. You'll take that. The home run was given up by Clayton Andrews, who in his MLB debut and should have probably been Caleb Bowsley making his MLB debut instead of Mr. Andrews. Gave up five runs in two-thirds of an inning. Bryce Wilson from there gets one out of the bullpen, allowing a run before Joel Pyams gets his second save of the season with a scoreless ninth inning. In dueling bullpen games, the Detroit Tigers of the Colorado Rockies could get absolutely nothing going as for Detroit, they went by a count of 4-2 as this game was 1-1 going into the 10th inning. It was Mr. Brandon White who got the open for the Detroit Tigers. One and a third inning scoreless. Zach Logue from there. Three and a third inning scoreless. Jose Cicerno. A lot run in an inning before Tyler Holt and Jason Foley both give you a scoreless inning. And Alex Lang gives up an unearned run in the 10th going two innings for them. And for the Detroit Tigers, Zach McKinstry goes deep in the 10th inning to be able to get the W. His sixth home run season. That comes off of... 
You guessed that the untrustworthy Pierce Johnson, who gives up three runs, two of which were earned, he was the only guy for the Rockies that screwed up as Jake Bird gives up a run in an inning, but Daniel Bard, two scoreless innings. Peter Lambert, three scoreless innings. Ty Block, two and a third inning scoreless. So you got a pair of outs out of the bullpen from Matt Cook as well, but where the Colorado Rockies absolutely nothing doing. Six hits off of a Detroit Tigers bullpen game at Coors Field. The pit of misery for our good friends, the Rockies, Dilly Dilly. 3-1, to one, the Arizona Diamondbacks get it done against the LA Angels as just nothing doing here for the Angels. You had Anthony Rendon come off the injury list and get a second home run season off of Ryan Nelson. But that's all that Nelson would give up. Seven to third innings, lost that sole home run. Andrew Chafin from there, fair of outside of the bullpen. And Scott Magoo was able to get a scoreless setting in. The Diamondbacks win this game despite stranding 12 men on base. Tyler Anderson, actually, even though he was in a little bit of a sticky situation early on in the game, gives up nothing in his five innings of work. From there, Sam Bachman, two runs, one of which was earned, given up in his inning of work. Chris Savinsky gives up a run and an inning, and Aaron Loop, two scoreless innings, but not a lot doing for the LA Angels on Saturday. Not a lot doing for the Tampa Bay Rays either. 8-3, to three, the Seattle Mariners are able to get it done as for Seattle. Had a home run off the bat of J.P. Crawford, his seventh home run of the season, really propelled them as Tyler Glasnow gets 11 strikeouts, but it gives up that home run. Three runs in total on five and two-thirds innings. From there, Jalen Beeks, the untrustworthy Jalen Beeks, gives up three runs in one and a third innings, and Robert Stevenson allows two runs in his inning of work for the Rays. Main form of offense was Mr. Luke Rayleigh getting his 14th home run of the season. That comes off of George Kirby, who gave up multiple walks for the first time in his start since October of last year. Gives up two walks, that home run over the course of seven innings, two runs in total. Justin Topa gives up an under run in a third of an inning out of the bullpen, but you had Paul Sewell come in. He gets five outs out of the bullpen, scoreless, and for the Mariners, he went six of 19 with men in scoring position in this one. So they had opportunities throughout the New York Mets. They always have opportunities to blow games, but in this one, a rarity. They do not take advantage. They were, I believe, 8-16 and 16 in their last 24 games entering into this one. The Mets, they get it done by a count of 4-1 to as Anthony DiScolafani gives up three solo home runs over the course of three innings. For the Mets, going to Francisco Lindor, 17th home run season. Francisco Alvarez, the 13th home run season. So, Francisco squared and Brandon Nimmo. 12th home run season. From there, the bullpen held it down. Sean Manea gives up one run in three innings. Jacob Junis, two scoreless innings, but nothing doing off of Justin Verlander. One unearned run given up by Verlander in seven innings. Drew Smith, Adam Adovino, scoreless inning from there. So, Mr. Verlander turning back time, and this was a game that wrapped up right around midnight central time, but the Guardians, after a long rain delay, they get a 6-0 win over the Cubs. Tanner Bibby was terrific. Nine punch outs, five and two-thirds inning scoreless. Sam Entages, a pair of outs out of the bullpen scoreless. Nick Samlin, five outs out of the bullpen scoreless. And Eli Morgan, a scoreless inning. As for Chicago, it was death by a million cuts against Marcus Stroman. Stroman gives up five runs and five and two-thirds innings. Did not allow a home run, but gave up just five hits and two walks in total. So just one of those things where... Balls found the wrong holes as you had Abiyot Assad from there come in, lend three scoreless innings, and Julia Merriweather gives up an underrun in a third of an inning as well. The Walker, Texas Rangers, they get it done against the Houston Astros 5-2. The final in this one as for Houston, you had a rough start from Hunter Brown. Only fills four innings, giving up 10 hits, three runs in total. You had Ryan Stanek from there give up a run in his inning of work, Rafael Montero better known as Rafael Montero, gives up an under run in his inning of work at Seth Martinez, two scoreless innings. 
Yeah, Kyle Tucker tried to help out the team. Gets his 12th home run season game when it was too little too late. The team was held scoreless until the ninth inning in that home run as that is his 12th of the season. That comes off of Joe Barlow. Gives up two runs and two-thirds of an inning. Will Smith gets jiggy with it for out, out of the bullpen and Josh Shaboris. Scoreless inning, but Nathan Evaldi continues to be tremendous. Did walk four in this one, but seven scoreless innings. And then our DK Nation right up pick of the under and Marlins versus Braves. Did not look good early, but you know what? It comes through. 7-0. The Atlanta Braves get the win. The Atlanta Braves put up six runs in the first inning, and they all came with zero or one outs on the board. Erie Perez, who had allowed one run in his previous six starts. How about this for a reversal? He got one out, and he gave up six runs, including a pair of home runs. Going deep, Ozzie Albee's sanctity home run season, Ronald Acuna Jr., 21st. So he gave up two home runs before he could get a single out after giving up one run in six starts. I can't say I've ever seen that before. And from there, you had Steven Okert allow a run in an inning, but Dylan Floro scoreless inning. You had Uska Brazobin lend two scoreless innings. And how about George Soriano being the hero of this under? Three and two-thirds innings headless. So credit where credit is due there. And for Charlie Moore, needed his part as well. Five and two-thirds innings scoreless. Kirby Yates gets it out of the bullpen. Got out of a bases loaded jam, by the way. Nick Anderson, Ben Eller, Joey Menace. They all lend a scoreless inning. And this for an Atlanta Braves team that has been very, very good to the over thus far this season. North of 60% of their home games, they have been hitting to the over. And if you're looking at the Major League Baseball landscape right now, we're still getting a few more overs and unders overall for the season, but it's been a pretty tight race. 600 unders to 591 overs, so 49.6% of games are going over the total. Favorites overall this season, hitting at about 58.2% on the money line, 718 and 515. But among these favorites, we have seen 177 be unable to cover the run line. If you look at the last 30 days, favorites have been a bit better on the run line, 230 and 158 straight up. Meanwhile, all but 51 have been able to cover the run line. And in the last 30 days, still have more unders and overs, 192 unders to 183 overs. And if you take a look at the last seven days, so bit of a smaller sample size, been good for overs. 45 overs, 39 unders in this time span. Favorites, just 47 and 43 with all but nine being able to cover the run line. So that's where we're seeing Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we all got in the MLB on Saturday. Now let's take a look at Sunday's games and so much more with Justin Perry. He does great work over at Chalk Quality Bets. Don't let the name fool you, though, because he does a great job on the baseball front as well. And he joins me next on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. Always great to be joined by this man as Justin Perry does absolutely tremendous work over at Jock Quality Bets, but don't let that name fool you because he also does an absolutely tremendous job taking a look at the game of baseball. I know that he is a New York Yankees fan, so we're going to need to address that in a little bit, but... That said, I know that he does an absolutely amazing job taking a look at this game that we all know and love. And you're able to follow on Twitter at Justin Perry, the number eight altogether. And my name is spelled P-E-R-R-I. Justin, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Greg, it is always a pleasure to join the show. Excited to chat a little bit of baseball. It's been a, a fun weekend already, I feel like. It's been a good season. I feel like you have great games every day, crazy results. Some days it's totally square. The next day all the underdogs are winning. So MLB is definitely keeping us on our toes already this summer. It certainly is keeping us on our toes and I think that we are going to be in for a lot of excitement in the second half of the season. And let's first things first talk about those New York Yankees, which I know that you might not want to, but it's been an interesting season for them. We're 
doing this just as game two is getting started in that double dip from Saturday. But I mean, what do you make out of what we've seen out of the New York Yankees? Because since the games that they played against the Oakland A's, the offense has been completely dormant without Aaron Judge. The pitching stands when Luis Severino's on the mound, though, has actually been good. Even Josh Donaldson giving them one, two, three innings. But I do think that it's a very interesting team and one that, as long as Severino's not on the mound, you can trust for a lot of unders moving forward until Judge comes back. Yeah, I mean, especially from the offensive side. If you don't even want to worry about the opposition taking advantage of the Yankees pitching staff, you can always just bet on the Yankees team totals to go under. It feels pretty safe right now. Which, yeah, I don't really want to talk about, I'll be honest with you. But it is definitely a advantageous spot. The offense definitely cannot seem to get going. The last month just hasn't been pretty outside of Oakland. And I think they do have a pretty straightforward, easy schedule coming up in the next two weeks before the break. But they definitely need Judge back as soon as possible. And we definitely have. We're not excited about the reports of him still feeling pain. And we saw the ginger movements that he was taking when celebrating the perfect game. Just crazy to have happened. And we still feel like very disappointed in the way the Yankees look, which is, of course, nothing but fair. They definitely are not a team that has shown any type of offensive creation, you know, ability in the last couple of weeks. It's hard to trust them. You really need either like Garrett Cole on the mound or you really just want to lay off. So, yeah, I like a lot of the unders as looks for these Yankees. You know, the weighted runs created are, are pretty low in terms of recent performance. That still includes that A's series where they were able to take advantage of some of the subpar pitching there. So, yeah, I'm not really taking them unless they're facing a bad pitcher, which is usually the way I try to key in on games these days. I do find it's a lot easier to pick pitchers who are going to have bad performances than the good ones. Yep, absolutely. And I do think that it is going to be an interesting circumstance in general, taking a look at what we're going to get moving forward out of the Yankees. And I do think that their Sunday game is going to be one to take a look at as well, because Garrett Cole was supposed to throw on Saturday. As we know, with Garrett Cole, they push him back to Sunday because of that doubleheader. Now he's going to be going up against Jordan Montgomery of the St. Louis Cardinals. And, we're finding the Yankees as a very slim favorite. Would this be a spot where you would be willing to dive in on the Yankees, especially with a total of eight and a half, which I tell you right now, I was burnt by the under in game number one of that doubleheader, but I'm going to be certainly willing to take it with the Cole versus Montgomery matchup. But I do think that this one is going to be interesting for Sunday. I'm totally with you. Jordan Montgomery has had his curveball working pretty well the last couple starts. He's been very reliable surprisingly so. I mean, I don't know if, I think he's probably maybe been back to Yankee once, if that. So this is a big deal, or even play the Yankees, because I know this is actually in St. Louis. Yeah, I think this is a big deal for him, and he knows they're weak, and he definitely wants to show out. So a little revenge game narrative should be fun for Montgomery, and he'll duel it out with Cole. So I'm sure the first five under is going to open up at like three and a half for this. It's probably pretty fair to go under. I'm definitely going to be looking at that one tomorrow. I think both these guys will dial in early in the game. The only concern for both of them is is getting out of that first inning, but the names on the list right now just aren't as scary as you'd think. I feel like everyone's just waiting for the Cardinals. I don't know where they've been, but they definitely aren't performing against lefties this season like they did last year where they were like automatic. Like, oh, Cardinals are facing a left-hand pitcher. They're going to score like six runs in six innings. It was pretty straightforward. They had incredible seasons against lefties, but now it's just not there. So they're definitely weaker, but 
look, woke up against Severino. I think they'll probably, you know, cool off a little against Cole, especially after the offensive outburst. It can go that way sometimes. So wouldn't be shocked, especially on the getaway day for Cole and Montgomery to lock in. Yeah, I'm right there with you with the New York Yankees and the St. Louis Cardinals. They both entered into this series really struggling. The Cardinals in their last 30 games prior to the Saturday double dip, they were averaging just 3.7 runs per game as well. And for the Cardinals, it feels like they're either going to give you eight plus runs or they're going to give you one. There's not a lot of days where it's like, oh, and the Cardinals scored four or the Cardinals scored five or something like that. It is very all or nothing as joining me on the show we do have Justin Perry. who does great work over at Chocolate Bets. And how do you gauge some of those teams? Because I do think that a team like the St. Louis Cardinals is one of the toughest to be able to take a look at because they do feel like an all-or-nothing team. And we do, it seems like, have a lot of these this season because you take a look at the lobbies totals that they're like a boilerplate, eight and a half, nine. And I almost think that things like alternate totals, being able to put yourself on the side of plus money with regards to these totals, is always the way to go because we don't have too many games that fall on these totals. Either get like three to two, two to one, something like that, or it seems like you get like 12 to two and not a whole lot of like five to four, four to three, things of that nature. Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you. I think that there is merit to it. Of course, you want to be a little weary of hold, but when you have that ad, advantage you have that advantage you can actually like dial in especially with teams like the cardinals who maybe don't have the best pitching staff and also have this tendency to have these all or nothing explosive types of days versus the quiet cricket days i definitely think you can find an edge looking at extreme results because they do seem to come pretty often and those magic numbers you know it does feel like we don't see too many nine run games eight run games very often and, and i'm sure they are there we would definitely remember the extremes a little bit more naturally so i'm not gonna like say anything definitive but yeah i think there is some interesting merit to taking some of those overs especially as the weather gets hotter and the markets start to adjust it's just like right when that is like starting to like percolate you can feel these totals starting to just hit and some of these hitters are just waking up mind just goes straight to the Braves in general. Some of these teams are just scoring four or five run innings a little bit more regularly right now. And look, if we have that type of production in, in good weather, I think you'll see the markets catch up and you'll see a lot more games at nine and a half and ten throughout the summer. I think that's smart. You'll see some of the better hitting parks like Fenway and I guess maybe Yankee or, or Great, Great American, American Ballpark. Right, yeah, Great American Yankee's not a plus hitting environment. It's just that one side. Yeah, those are going to see numbers of like 11 and a half very easily when it's warm so they definitely have extreme variance so if you want to try to cash in and find spots maybe against pitchers who concede the long ball or have trouble with you know opposing hitters slugging percentages it's definitely that time of year where the market's about to start to adjust upward because it is going to be a warm summer most likely and i am so glad that you pointed out the atlanta braves because i did my right a pick for the marlins versus braves under on saturday very lucky to be able to get that one in. Six runs with one out recorded by the Atlanta Braves, and then the game just dives into oblivion from there. So those are the ones where we always remember the bad beats. We've got to remember the fortunate wins as well, and that's what that is going to be saying top of mind for me. But now when it comes to Sunday, you've got Spencer Strider on the mound going up against Sandy Alcantara. Alcantara's coming off of a nice start his last time out, but all in all, it has been a season to forget for him. And for Spencer Strider... 
I talk about all or nothing teams when it comes to their offense. He's been a little bit of an all or nothing pitcher this year. He's either gone out there and completely dominated, but he's also had those performances where he's gotten completely shelled as well. And the Braves are right around minus 190 on the money line. Maybe we get a much better price on the run line. Any sort of a lean here because with Strider, he gets all those strikeouts, but again, when he does get it, he gets hit hard, but I just don't see the Miami Marlins being that team that's able to hit him hard. Yeah, I'm with you. Obviously had a couple missteps this season. The Mets and the Tigers got to him recently, but other than that, he's been supremely reliable. The K numbers kind of fluctuate around nine, eight and a half most times. A little down from like early season May when he was fanning nine, 10, 11 almost every time out. So that's a little bit interesting, especially with this Marlins team that can get runs off of contacts. But look, you can almost promise Strider's not going to give up four or five. Like it's rare. That eight run appearance against the Mets rare i'm just like you know he's so good his stuff is so good he doesn't you know allow much hard contact he's expected to be good at almost every outing i'm not really messing with anything besides the braves right now the offense looks too ridiculous i really can't advise playing against them or on them i think the line's pretty sharp it's pretty accurate so i'm not really playing it i think you know you are probably looking at a place where if you do feel good about it you're taking the Braves to just continue to score and pour it on early not really full game as we saw all these games kind of die out especially when they're settled but i don't know this Braves team pouncing early i've been loving my first three team totals for the Braves you get like one and a half or two and a half runs and you get you know assuming they get a base runner you're going to get at least two bats from arguably the best hitter in the National League right now in Acuna. So first five total, first three total, just expecting them to continue to hammer any opposing starting pitcher or even like a first five run line type of situation. I feel pretty confident that over time, this Braves team, the way this offense is hitting right now, will just continue to score and win. I mean, look at Saturday with Yuri Perez, right? He was electric against everybody. And then he just saw that and he, what, I think like six straight hits to open up, four of them extra base hits, the first two home runs instantly, like allowing like more total bases than he had in all those starts combined. So they just tore him apart. And Sandy's been worse. Yuri has been the ace for the Marlins. He has been dominant. Like this kid is electric. The strikeouts have been insane. So if the Braves can pounce on him, I see no reason why someone who's arguably playing like significantly worse is going to have any better luck. It would take much fortune, in my opinion, for the Braves not to come out strong early again. Yep, I agree with you. And I do think that Spencer Strider, if Charlie Morton is having success against the Miami Marlins and their offense, Spencer Strider should be able to as well. And Justin, I do think that we've got a very interesting slate that is up for this Sunday. There are a few games that are currently off the board as there's been a lot of moving parts with these pitching rotations over the last few days. But is there any spots that you're taking a look at, whether it's something that you've already bet or maybe it's something that you have yet to bet, but perhaps you're going to be taking a look at it overnight because something that you always note and it's something that I note as well is that when it comes to Sunday, sometimes you're going to see some strange and funky lineups out there with some guys getting a little bit of a rest. Yeah, you can always see a weaker lineup. So especially like the way I like to play with a early overs, you want to wait for lineups. You definitely want to see who you're betting on uh, and those types of specialized bets. If you have reason to believe someone's going to be seated or you, 
you know, have been paying attention, you can kind of get a leg up if you understand the way that works. But in general, you know, Sunday's the day for patience, maybe not jumping on things unless you think the market's really going to move on a starting pitcher or something and you want to play an F5, that's fine. I'm definitely looking to target a few of the pitchers, so I haven't really seen anything meaningful out of Jamison Tyone recently. Definitely want to see if he has it at all. I, I do trust the Guardians to take advantage of bad pitching if they see it. You know, Matt Manning in Colorado, I don't think you can trust. You know, I think the Rockies are decently formidable at home. So expecting some runs there, especially with Connor Siebold on the mound. I expect both those pitchers to allow some runs in. So I'll be looking at an over there unless there's some like crazy weather scenario. Other than that, you know, I think there's some decent pitching out there tomorrow. You could probably expect Phillies to continue the beatdown of the Nationals. You know, Saturday was pretty nuts with like almost 20 runs scored, but I think the statement should stay. I don't think we see a flip of the script. I expect the Phillies to continue the beatdown. Other than that, the Yankees probably get a win behind Cole in a low-scoring affair. I think that should probably do it. I, if Rich Hill's pitching for Sunday, you could definitely also fade him right now. And look, David Peterson had a great outing this week already. I don't know if he could do it twice in a row. So that could be another good pitcher to go against. We always stand for the Peterson family, and we always stand for the fact that Justin does an absolutely tremendous job taking a look at the game of baseball. Justin, I always appreciate when you come on this show. You do a great job looking at things day in and day out, and you cover so many sports because while you work at Chalk Quality Best, I know you do a great job on the football front, you do a great job on the baseball front, and so much more. So let the good people at home know what's on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Of course. Thank you so much. Yeah, we do some cool stuff over at Shot Quality Bets with advanced analytics that stem from our computer vision software. We capture positions of every player on the court in NBA, WNBA, college, basketball especially, and use that to create very advanced expected projections similar to, you know, your expected WOBA or your ex-slugging. We have expected field goal percentages in three-point shots and catch-and-shoots and drive to the rim. So we're using that to fuel advanced projection models for betting, try and find trends, all this great stuff, player props, all of that is in the works. We actually just launched WNBA, so go check it out. You can go follow us at Shop Quality Bets. There, I believe, is a 50% off code on our Twitter, so feel free to check that out if you want some cool WNBA data. Justin does an absolutely tremendous job. Take a look at all forms of basketball the NBA, college basketball, the WNBA now. If only we could get like the New Orleans Breakers in there, then we're really talking about. Justin, he does it all, and he does so also well at every single time he joins this podcast. Well, it's tremendous insight. So big thanks to Justin for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VC Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans, and yet, There's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) 
Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to be joined by Justin Perry. Justin does tremendous work over at Jock Quality Bets, but as I always say, don't let that name fool you because he does an absolutely amazing job taking a look at the game of baseball every single time he joins his podcast, always lends tremendous insights, much like he did today. So big thanks to Justin for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast, and now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games. Any interleague games, those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So, without further ado, let's dive in on this first National League game of 951-952 on the betting board. It is the Miami Marlins. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Atlanta Braves. As Spencer Strider goes for the Bravos, Sandy Alcantara is on the bump for Miami. Miami's between a plus 162 to a plus 177 underdog. Any between minus 185 to minus 195 is your number on Atlanta. 8.5 is the total. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. And with the Atlanta Braves run line, getting that between even money and plus 105. And going to be looking at that run line. I was willing to lay up to a minus 115. This Atlanta Braves offense is just absolutely on one. The Braves have the top win percentage in the National League, both at home and on the road. Now, with Spencer Strider, he did have a few starts where he was getting lit up a little bit. He got lit up against the Detroit Tigers along with the New York Mets, giving up a combined 13 runs in those starts. I think that that was just a little bit of a blip on the radar because he has allowed two earned runs or fewer in the other five of his last seven starts. So, he had two just turds of starts. The other... Have been relatively solid. And for Spencer Strider, he's just completely a strikeout machine as his strikeouts per nine rate hovering in the neighborhood above 14 and a half. He does give up a little bit over three walks per nine innings, but all in all, he has been able to mow them down and has been able to dominate. And he's going up against a Miami Marlins team that they aren't going to be able to take advantage of his biggest weakness in that he does give up a little bit of hard contact. This is a Marlins punch that is in the bottom seven in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per at bat base to say. Just a very top-heavy Marlins lineup. Ori Soler has been able to give you 22 home runs, right around about a 345 on base. Luis Arise, he continues it's a 388. In terms of batting average, this is a team that does rank in the top 10 in terms of batting average because you've also got Joey Wendell, who's well above a 340 over the last three days. Brian David Cruz, John Birdie, Yoli Gurriel, they're hitting between about a 268 to a 280, but you just don't have the guys to be able to give you a lot of thumping power. As outside of Soler, the only other guy to give you a double-figure amount of homers, that's Gary Cooper with 10. And for Sandy Alcantara, what has really been the issue for him has been later on in games. First two times going through the lineup, it's not necessarily what we saw last year when he was a Cy Young Award winner, but first two times through, opponents are hitting about a 238 off of him. They've been able to slug out four home runs and about 269 at best. Then when you get to the third time through the lineup, he's giving up a home run every 25 at best. That batting average goes up to a 260 with a 364 on base. So Sandy Alcantara is wearing down in these stars. And for Alcantara, he's got a 46 home area and a 478 ERA on the road. Swing and miss stuff has not been there. He has been getting 
fewer than seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Walks per nine rate about 2.7. He's done a good job of being able to reduce the deep ball, but now you have to go up against an Atlanta Braves team that they just lead the league in terms of home runs. It is absolutely magnificent. You've got seven different guys with at least 14 home runs this season, including a trio of guys with at least 19. Ozzy Albies has 19. Ronald Acuna Jr., 4'11 on base, 37 solid bases, 21 home runs. And Matt Olson, he's got 28 home runs. It's just absolutely remarkable. You don't have a break in this lineup because the guys that aren't supplying home runs are the guys like Michael Harris, who's been able to hit well above a 300 over the last three days. Orlando Arcia, who's hitting right around at 300 as well. And for the Braves, they've done a relatively solid job with their bullpen, and they haven't really needed a lot of top-flight bullpen pieces with the blowouts that we have been seeing over the last few days. They have been without Jesse Chavez. He is currently on the injured list, but Rossi Iglesias, after a little bit of a rough start to the season, he's been able to round back into form, been able to get some good innings out of the likes of Kirby Yates, Nick Anderson. These are guys that were used yesterday, but that means that you're going to have Michael Tonkin if you need him for a little bit of a long relief appearance. Ben Heller has been able to do a relatively solid job as well for the Atlanta Racer, now fourth in the league in terms of bullpen. Anyway, and for the Miami Marlins, I mean, the bullpen actually pitched really well yesterday. The problem is for the bullpen that they had to use up darn near everyone yesterday. So, I mean, you've got A.J. Puck, who should be available. He's been a relatively solid closer. But that said, you had to go through the likes of Stephen Oker, Dylan Floro, and Uskar Brazobin and company. So, this is a little bit of a tire bullpen. Now, I do think that Spencer Schreider holds down the Miami Marlins, which is why I'm willing to ride with the run line of the Atlanta Braves. And I did set my toilet at 8.2 because I do think that Alcantara going to be able to give a little bit of a better start. It's, start, it's starting to feel like he's starting to find it a tad bit more. So looking at the under on 8.5 and, and with the Braves, we wanted to take their run line at even money slash a plus number. 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates and they're going to be playing us the Milwaukee Brewers. As Colin Ray says, hip hip hooray to another start. Meanwhile, Rich Hill is on the bump for the Pirates. Pirates are between even money and minus 106. Meanwhile, the Brewers are going to be finding them as good as minus 106, as bad as minus 115 with a total of 9. The under is any between minus 110 to a minus 120. The over, that is any between even and minus 110. And when it comes to the Brewers, I did set them at a plus 104 with the Pirates being able to get them at right around even money or so. I'm going to be willing to ride with them. I know that a lot of people are saying that Rich Hill is doing for regression, but I take a look at the fielding independent numbers and it actually seems somewhat sustainable. And if he is going to be experiencing some regression, probably not going to be against the Milwaukee Brewers. With Hill, he's got a 445 ERA compared to a 427 fielding independent. He still gets right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. He's getting about one home run surrendered per nine innings. This is a little bit more of a pitcher's ballpark. So I do think that he's going to be able to do an okay job against a Brewers team that they've got guys that are able to whack the deep ball. We certainly have seen that in the first few games of this series. You had entering into yesterday, William Thomas, Rowdy Teldas, Joey Weimer, Brian Anderson, Christian Yelich, all with at least nine home runs this season. Going into yesterday, though, the only of these guys hitting above a 220 was Christian Yelich. He was also the only of these guys with north of a 315 on base as well. Owen Miller has been able to give you a little bit at the leadoff spot, hitting in that neighborhood about a 290. But when you're relying upon someone like Jesse Winker to be able to give you good at-bats, he has really fallen off the table. That's an issue. Blake Perkins has been all over the place along with Andrew Mercerio. This is a Brewers lineup that entered into the weekend dead last in the National League in terms of runs per game, and I just don't see that getting a lot more rosy now. For the Pittsburgh Pirates, you also do have recent issues with the bullpen, as this bullpen 30 days ago was actually looking really good. 
on the last 30 days, so yeah, been the worst bullpen in the big leagues. We're having Ronsi Contreras now in the bullpen is an issue. Now, they were missing Colin Holderman for a little bit. Him coming back is big. He's only got about a four or so ERA, but I mean, when you've got Jose Hernandez, Johan Ramirez out of the fold, that does certainly hurt the same. Adori Moretta's went down the toilet bowl, but David Benard's been able to do a solid job as well. And then with the Milwaukee Brewers, it's been an adventure to be able to get the ball to Devin Williams. Their 15th of the league in terms of bullpen area. Elvis Bigero, Joel Piamps have been able to do a solid job, but now they're looking to someone like a Clayton Andrews to be able to give them innings. That's not necessarily where you want to be. J.B. Bukakis is now in after Matt Bush couldn't do his job. It's been just a turnstile with these guys like Peter Strezelecki and company being able to give you good innings. So And it's been rough for them and for the Pittsburgh Pirates. This has been the National League's worst offense since the beginning of the month of May, but it feels like Jack Swiniski is starting to find it once again. Entered into yesterday with 16 home runs, 350 on base. And you do have guys that are able to move the line for this team. Carlos Santana, his on base has been up a little bit. Now they are dealing with Brian Reynolds along with Brian Hayes currently dealing with injuries. These are a pair of guys that have been able to do a solid job of reaching base all season long. But Andrew McCutcheon offering right around about a 400 on base. And you get to go up against someone in Colin Ray who... He's coming off of a relatively solid start his last time out, giving up one run in six and a third innings against the Mets. But prior to that, had given up three plus runs in three out of his last five starts. And Ferrey has had his issues on the road. 436 road ERA, giving up less than a home run per nine innings. But I do think that this is going to be something that goes northward. He's been a little bit fortunate on balls in play. Getting only about seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings, giving up north of three walks per nine innings. Not necessarily impressive. I'm willing to trust in the Pittsburgh Pirates at even money slash being able to get a very, very small plus price if we're able to get there. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 103 with them. And when it comes to this total, did set it at a 9.3. I do think that even though both of these offenses have had their almighty struggles, this is a pitching matchup that lends itself to runs, especially with these struggles in both bullpens. So looking at the over and looking at the Pirates on the money line. 955, 956 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals are on the road facing up against the Philadelphia Phillies. Says Ranger Suarez is on the bump for the Phils, and Trevor Williams is on the bump for Washington. Washington is an underdog of any between plus 190 and plus 216. Meanwhile, in between minus 230 to minus 250 is your number on the Phillies. Nine is the total. Over is between minus 110 to a minus 120. The under is any between minus 110 to even money. And if you're looking at that Phillies run line, you're going to be laying right in the neighborhood about minus 120. Wouldn't want to go really northward of minus 120, but I'm willing to lay that minus 120 run line. I think we're going to see a little bit of regression with Ranger Suarez because he has been nothing short of amazing over his last, we're going to call it 30 or so days, but I mean, the way that he has been able to do a nice job as a pitcher contact pitcher has been amazing. He's down to about two and a half walks per nine innings while getting nearly nine strikeouts per nine innings. He had a really rough go of it to begin the season, but has allowed a grand total of four runs in his last five starts. Now he gets to go up against Washington Nationals team that is dead last in the National League in terms of power. You've had Lane Thomas, Jameer Candelario be able to supply a double-figure amount of formers. And you've got plenty of guys that are able to get on base. This is a Nationals bunch. They rank at the top nine in the league in terms of batting average. As you got Joey Manessis, Riley Adams, Luis Garcia hitting in that pocket about 275 to 285. Lane Thomas, Victor Robles are hitting about a 300 as well. So, I mean, up and down, you've got plenty of guys hitting north of a 255, but you just don't have the boppers in this lineup. Outside of Thomas and Jameer Candelario, You've got one other guy that has been able to give you north of seven home runs, and that'd be Kiber Ruiz. So, 
That's a bit of an issue for this bunch. And you go up against the Philadelphia Phillies team that they've been sort of in that same vector. They haven't gotten a lot of power outside of Kyle Schwarber up until yesterday. Now you've got Nick Cassianos, who's been able to give you 11 home runs. Alec Bowman has been able to find it as well. Nine bombs. He's hitting for about a 280 as well with Cassianos. And well above 300. This is another one of these teams that they have for a lot of average. Not necessarily a ton of power. You want to see Bryce Harper be able to get a little bit more of that. Three home runs to north of 185 at-bats. Not cutting it. What is cutting it, though, is that 385 on base. And you get to go up against Washington Nationals bullpen that it got very much expended yesterday and just hasn't been good in general. This is the dead last bullpen in terms of ERA in the National League. They've been looking to guys like Corey Abbott, Joe DeLasora to be able to give them some innings as Erasmo Ramirez is currently on the fold for this team. Hunter Harvey, Kyle Finnegan, they're both able to give you a sub-4 ERA along with Carl Edwards Jr., but I mean, that's about it. When you get into guys like Thaddeus Ward and company, it's a really bad situation. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, it's not like they've been amazing with their bullpen. They're hovering right around 20th in the league with this regard, but Craig Kimbrell, over the last 40 days, has actually been really good. Not sure how long he's going to be able to keep it up, but he's been really good recently. You've also got Andrew Vasquez, Jose Alvarado, who have been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. Been a little bit up and down with Jeff Hoffman. I have a tough time really placing a lot of faith in Junior Marte as well, as he's got north of 5 ERA for the season. And Gregory Soto just has not been too terrific for the scene. But all in all, it's a lot, a lot better than what is being trotted out there by the Nationals. And for Trevor Williams... He does a nice job of not really beating himself. He's not going to give out a bunch of walks with about 2.7 walks per nine innings, but only getting about 6.8 strikeouts per nine innings. And he just consistently gives up a lot of contact. He has given up six home runs over the course of his last five starts. On and off for the season, he's given up about 1.75 home runs per nine innings. So while he's got a 420 ADRA, he's got a higher fielding independent. I do think that the Phillies are going to be able to get to him. I do think that they're going to be able to generate some runs. I do think that we see a little bit of regression here with Suarez as well, but I do think that the Phillies get the job done by multiple runs and are able to get to Williams. Set my total at 9.1, so looking at the over in this spot, and with the Phillies, want to lay up to a minus 122 on that run line. 957, 958 on the main board. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are on to Cincinnati. They're playing goes to the San Diego Padres. It is to be determined on the bump for the Padres, and Andrew Abbott gets a serve for the Cincinnati Reds. Now, the expectation is that you, Darvish, who has been dealing with a little bit of a virus, I know that he's been dealing with a little bit of sickness, he should be able to start in this game, and assuming that we do get you, Darvish, up against Andrew Abbott, I did set the Padres at a minus 146 on the money line, would be willing to take a run line laying a run and a half at a plus 115 or higher. And with this total, to make it to where a nine and a half or less, I'm looking at the over 10 or higher to the under. This does go back a little bit to what we were talking about with Justin Perry and that these conditions, these ballparks, they are going to be surrendering quite a few runs. And I do think that there's going to be a bit of regression for Andrew Abbott. Abbott has been able to be completely electrifying in his five stars. Giving up a combined four runs and five stars. Able to get nine strikeouts for nine innings. I remember he was part of that Virginia team that made a run in the College Baseball World Series. He does, though, have a fielding independent that is two and a half points higher than the ERA. Among the four runs that he's given up, three have been via the home run. So you got to feel like there's going to be regression there. And for the Padres, they're in a spot where they've been expecting progression all season long because when they've had runners in scoring position, they've made like your buddy at the bar and they have not been able to close. They are the worst team in terms of batting average with men in scoring position in the league at a 208. But you do have Juan Soto. You do have Fernando Tatis Jr. who entered in the series with a combined 29 home runs. And for Tatis Jr., hitting well above a 300 over the last three days. What is really killing this team is just the bottom of the fold. As you've had the likes of 
Brandon Dixon, the entirety of the catcher spot, Rudad Odor, Matt Carpenter, that are all hitting a 215 or lower. Going up against the lineup of the Cincinnati Reds set, I find to be very fascinating because the power numbers are not there, though. Joey Votto coming back in the fold, that's a little bit of a help. Votto not really been able to hit for a lot of average, but he's been able to move the line, drawing a few walks, and as we know, he is a very much a noted home run hitter, but you've got so many guys just up and down for the team that they're going to give you right around about 10 to 13 home runs as far as this season. Jonathan India, Jake Fraley, Spencer Sear, they're all in that regard, but they've also been able to give you at least a 350 on base. And then you've got Matt McClain, hitting for above a 300. Ellie De La Cruz, he's been able to give you north of a 360 on base as well. In terms of the Reds and their on base percentage, number four in the big leagues, power numbers still down. With Steer, he's been able to give you right around 14 or so home runs as far as this season, and he's been leading the way with that regard. So the Reds still suck at number 22 in terms of home runs per game, but this is very much a hitter's ballpark. They are, the Reds are getting about 1.25 home runs per game when they're at home. On the road, this drops off to a 0.83, and obviously there is a lot of a season where they did not have the guys like Ellie De La Cruz in the full, but for you, Darvish, I do know that he has been having his issues when he has been away from home rather than when he has been at home, but I do think that he's going to be able to turn a relatively good start. He's on a little bit of extra rest just due to the circumstances in general, and for you, Darvish, he's still doing a solid job of being able to get swings and misses. He's still doing a nice job keeping the walks down. Just been a case where he's been giving up a little bit more hard contact this season. Overall, a 484 ERA, which is relatively grody, but a 387 fielding independent, getting nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings, giving up right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings as well. And when it comes to the San Diego Padres, this team is number one in the National League in terms of bullpen ERA. They are missing a few guys like Tom Cosgrove, Domingo Tapia, who will be able to give you a sub-3 ERA. But as we know, Josh Hader, he is always a constant for the team. And on top of that, Nick Martinez is able to give you a sub-3 ERA. They're bringing up Pedro Avila. Not necessarily the world's greatest move there, but there's a chance that Cosgrove could be back to full within the next few days. Brent Honeywell has been able to do a relatively solid job in this bullpen as well. And I do think that there is regression coming for Andrew Abbott. And he's backed up by a league average bullpen. You do have quite a few guys like Buck Farmer, Alex Young, Alexis Diaz. They'd be able to give you a sub 3-3 ERA. But all in all, it is a team that they're right around league average with that regard. So this is a spot where I did set the Cincinnati Reds at a plus 146. So I need at least a plus 147 to take a shot there. Minus 145 or less one to take a shot on the Padres. And semi-total at 9.7. Nine and a half or less. Looking at the over 10 or higher to the under. 959-960 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants hit the road face off against the New York Mets. David Peterson, no relation, goes for the Metropolitans. And Ross Tripling is on the bump for San Francisco. We are just seeing an opener of nine come up at Circa with the over and the under both at minus 110. And with Peterson, he's a minus 110 favorite. You're getting even money on the San Francisco Giants. I did set this to where I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 130 on the Mets. This is going to be the Sunday night baseball game, by the way. But the reason why I'm going to be willing to back the Mets is I just don't know what we're going to be able to get out of Ross Stripling. I recognize that David Peterson has had a hellaciously bad year himself, but for Ross Stripling, 
He's made one appearance since the middle of May. It was for three innings, so you've got to think that this is going to be a piecemeal job to where he goes about two to three innings and then it's a bullpen game. And I mean, for the Giants, it's been a very good bullpen thus far this season. You've got both of the Rodgers, you've got Camilio Duvall, Ryan Walker, guys like this, giving you a sub three ERA, but I fear that there might be irreparable damage done by Ross Tripling in the few innings that he does actually pitch because he has been that bad. Meanwhile, for David Peterson, First start since the middle of May for him as well. So both of these guys are in the same boat. Six scoreless innings against the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, it's the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Milwaukee Brewers have stunk thus far this season. But that was very good to see. And Peterson significantly better at home than he has been on the road. On the road, he's got north of a 9 ERA. 324, respectable ERA at home, giving up one home run in 16 and two-thirds innings. And you go back to last season, and it was the complete opposite, where he had about a 4-4 ERA when he was at home, sub-325 on the road. But for the Mets, this has been an offense that has been very touch-and-go because without Pete Alonso, they were doing a great job with them back. It's been a little bit more of a case where they've been back to their average ways. You've got Pete Alonso who's been able to give you 24 home runs, but not really hitting for a lot of average, and that's a big thing for the Mets. They just need guys to be able to move the line. We have seen Starling Marte along Jeff McNeil in that neighborhood about a 255, and Tommy Pham all of a sudden has become one of the best hitters in baseball over the last month or so, hitting a 350 with six home runs over the last three days. That has been terrific. Brandon Nimmo, double-figure amount of homers, 370 on base. You've had Francisco Alvarez fall off the table a little bit. And for Francisco Lindor, the 17 home runs is great. Would like to see him get on a little bit more. Meanwhile, for the San Francisco Giants, the platooning splits are very interesting with them. And this is a Giants bunch that ranks in the top five in the big leagues in terms of runs per game on the road. And their home run power just goes up so much because at Oracle Park, it is very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark. As a result, you've got a Giants team that's averaging right around 1.4 home runs per game when they're on the road. Just one home run per game when they are at home, but they just utilize platoon splits. Righty versus lefty. You've got so many guys like Michael Conforto, Terry Estrada, Lamonte Wade Jr., Mikey Stremski, J.D. Davis. I'll give you between about 9 to 12 home runs. Jack Peterson, Wilmer Flores, they both have 8 with Peterson, 375 on base. Lamonte Wade Jr., 416 on base. And this is a Giants bunch as in the top three in the big leagues in terms of road on base percentage, but I do think that Ross Stripling is a big issue here. Now for the Mets, the bullpen has been an issue all season long. Grant Hartwig has actually been able to give you some decent innings, but when you get into the likes of Jeff Brigham, Adam Adovino, guys like this, it has been a little bit rough. I like Brooks Rayleigh, but Drew Smith has fallen off a little bit, but David Robertson, I do think he's going to be able to close it down in this spot, and I just have my trepidations with Ross Stripling being out there on the mound. Did somebody tell it at 8.9? This is a little bit more of a pitcher's park, so looking at the under, and with the Mets, one to lay up to a minus 130 with them. Now we have my DK Nation right up pick. This is 961-962 on the begging board of the Baltimore Orioles, playing also the Minnesota Twins. Sonny Gray goes for the Twins, and Cole Irvin is on the bump for Baltimore. Baltimore is anywhere between minus 105 to a plus 108. Between minus 110 to minus 118 is your number on Minnesota. 8.5 is the total. The over is minus 120. The under is even. Seeing one straight nine. That under is minus 120. The over is even. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I set my total at 8.3. Got a Twins team that's currently second worst in the big leagues in terms of road batting average, but DK Nation right a pick is going to be banking on Sonny Gray who has yet to give up more than three runs in a start all season long. The official write-up pick is going to be on the money line, by the way. This is the early Peacock game at 9.05 a.m. Pacific, 12.05 p.m. Eastern time. But for Cole Irvin, this guy just has not been good all season long. 
He has given up five home runs in his 26 and a third innings. I recognize that that's a small sample size, but if you go back to last season, when he pitched outside of the city of Oakland, he had north of a five ERA and got completely destroyed for more than two home runs per nine innings. This guy really needs a pitcher-friendly ballpark, and while Baltimore helps him out a little bit, just not enough in this spot. Meanwhile, you're going up against someone in Sonny Gray who he's given up three runs of fear in all 16 of his starts. He's given up three home runs in 80, 70, two-thirds innings. Do recognize that the walks have been a little bit of an issue for him. He hasn't necessarily been as dynamic as he was towards the beginning part of the season recently, but all in all, has been able to do a nice job holding down the fort. And this is a Twins bullpen that you've got a little bit less top heaviness with. With the Twins, they entered into Saturday number six in the big leagues in terms of bullpen area, the Orioles sent. But the reason why I like this Twins bullpen a little bit more is that you do have that lockdown closure in Yohan Duran, who's able to throw 100-plus miles per hour. He's been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. But then you've got some like your Griffin Jacks, who's got a right around a 3 ERA. Jordan Balazovich has been very good for this team as well. Been able to actually get some okay innings out of Emilio Pagan. And then for the Baltimore Orioles, you've got that good one-two punch. Felix Batista, Yanir Cano. Both have a sub-130 ERA. Danny Columbia has been solid. Pass that. Everyone else has north of a 4 ERA. So you've got a very top-heavy bullpen when it comes to Baltimore. And for Cole Irvin, this guy has been able to go north of five innings in just one out of his eight pitching appearances this far this season. You do have a Baltimore team that they got the better offense, and it is one of those cases where with this offense, the hole is greater than the sum of its parts. Anthony Santander, your main masher, 325 on base, 14 home runs, and then Gunnar Anderson, Adley Rushman, both have supplied 11 bombs with Rushman, 375 on base, and we got to give credit to Aaron Hicks, 380 on base with four home runs and 77 at-bats since joining Baltimore. He has been terrific. We had Cedric Mullins, Ode Mateo, a combined 35 stolen bases. But even though the Twins have been really rough with their batting average, and every one of your guys for this Twins bunch that have been able to give you a double-figure amount of homers, Michael A. Taylor, Joey Gallo, Byron Buxton, Carlos Correa, Max Kepler, they're all hitting a 217 or lower. Only Gallo is north of a 305 on base percentage. I do think that they are going to be able to get to Cole Irvin in this spot. You do have Royce Lewis, who's now hitting a 325. That gives this team a little bit of life. You've been dealing with injuries to Kyle Farmer or a Polanco all season long, so that's been a little bit of an issue. But we've also got Donovan Solano, who's done a nice job moving the line right around about a 370 or so on base. It's been in and out of the fold a little bit himself, but all in all, I do think that the Minnesota Twins have a massive pitching advantage, and I just want no part of Cole Irvin whatsoever here. I do think that because it is an early game, some of these bats might be a little bit sleepy, but I do think that Sonny Gray goes out there, gets the job done. My DK Nation right to pick is on the Twins on the money line. Somebody told an 8.3, so also looking at the under 960. 3-964 on the betting board. It is the Boston Red Sox. They throw the facing off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Kevin Gosman goes for the Jays, and Garrett Whitlock is on the bump for Boston. Boston is between a plus-155 to a plus-175 underdog. Between minus-180 to minus-195 is your number on the Jays, with 8 to 8 nap being your total on the 8 nap. Under is minus-120, the over is even. On the 8, over is minus-120, the under is even. And with Gosman, you're able to get his run line for the Jays, and we're doing plus 105 to a plus 115. I was willing to lay a very small up to minus 105 number in this one. So I'm going to be willing to take that run line. Kevin Gosman has been absolutely remarkable for this Blue Jays team. He's had a trio of rough starts as far as the season where he gave up six plus runs. Did so against the Twins in June. He did so against the Red Sox, ironically enough, in May. And then earlier in the year, he got lit up by the Houston Astros. But... For Gosman, he's been at his best at home. 
248 ohm ERA, giving up less than a home run per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate is right around 12. He's given up about 2.2 walks per nine innings. Fielding independent even lower than his three ERA. He has been terrific. Garrett Woodlock, by the way, he has pitched better than his 5.15 ERA would indicate. He has been able to do a nice job of not giving out a lot of walks. Now, the one thing with Garrett Woodlock is because he doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, because he also doesn't give up a lot of walks, that does mean that the ball's in play quite a bit. And that has been the kryptonite of him, but a 430 fielding independent compared to his 5.15 ERA. Giving up about 1.6 home runs per nine innings. And to his credit, he's up to about 8.2 strikeouts per nine innings, but has never been the same guy as a starter as he has been as a closer. And it's coming off of giving up four plus runs in three out of his last five starts. I do think that for Boston, the bigger issue is you just have these very demonstrative home and road splits with this offense. They were able to get the job done yesterday, being able to put up seven runs, but entering into the series, they were at the top of the big leagues in terms of batting average at home, north of a 285, just at 228 on the road. That is a home and road divide that is bigger than that of the Colorado Rockies. Now, you've got someone like an Alex Verdugo. He's hitting about 100 points better when he's at home rather than on the road. One guy, Masataka Yoshida, has been relatively consistent home to road overall for the season, hitting about a 305. But now he goes down with a little bit of an injury. That's not necessarily too terrific. You've been able to have Justin Turner be able to slug out a, about 13 home runs as far as the season, and Rafael Devers, 20. But past that, you don't have anyone else that's giving you a double-figure amount of homers. And Revolts that's coming out via Angelus, not the guy that we saw towards being part of the season. And then for the Toronto Blue Jays, this team continues to be in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of home runs per game. You've got Blagaro Jr., George Springer, Dalton Varsho, Matt Chapman, all with between 11 and 12 home runs. Other than Varsho, you'd expect a little bit more out of these guys. And I mean, for Springer, Chapman, and Guerrero, they're all in between about a 265 to 280, all with at least a 333 on baseball. But Shed, 15 home runs, 350 on base. You've been able to have Kevin Kiermaier at about a 270. With Merrifield has been able to hit for about a 345 on base. Brandon Belt has been able to move the line. So, I mean, this is a Blue Jays team that I feel like they're ready to erupt with their offense. And the bullpen, I'm not going to say that it's been great or anything like that, but it hasn't been bad. You've got Eric Swanson, Tim Meza being able to supply a sub-3 ERA. Joe Romano has been trustworthy in that closer's role for the Blue Jays overall. They're clocking in right around 11th in terms of bullpen ERA for the Red Sox. They're more on 16th, relying upon guys like a Brennan Bernardino, Justin Garza for innings. Not necessarily where you want to be. Caleb Bort has been terrible all season long, though. I do like Chris Martin, Josh Winkowski. Both of these guys have been able to give you an ERA that is sub-3-3, but John Schreiber being on the fold does hurt this team as well. I do think that Gosman goes out there, locks it up against the Boston Red Sox, a Red Sox team that has been prolific with their offense when they've been at home on the road. A little bit of a different story. Did Semitola at an 8.3. I personally would rather have an 8 over rather than an 8.5 under just because you do throw out there the case where you can get a push on an 8. So it is a circumstance where I would a little bit rather have an over rather than an under just because I do think that the Blue Jays are going to be able to get to Whitlock. So going to be taking a look at the over and the run line of the Jays. 965-966 on the bank board. The Houston Astros are on the road. They're facing off against the Walker Texas Rangers as Andrew Heaney goes for the Rangers and Sean Dubin is going to be getting his first career start for the Astros. Lots of divide in the market on this one. DraftKings says the Rangers at minus 115, minus 105 on the Astros with a total of 9 over a minus 120. The under is even. Circa has a total of 9.5 under a minus 115 over minus 105. Rangers at minus 136 plus 124 
on the Astros. And I agree much more with the circuit number. I set the Rangers at a minus 145 on both of these numbers. I am willing to lay it. You've got someone in Andrew Heaney that is going to give up hard contact. He has shown that throughout his career. For his career, about 1.5 home runs per nine innings. But has always been a relatively solid swing and miss guy. And it's just really hard to trust in Sean Dubin in this spot. The career 1080 ERA. That's not necessarily who he is, but at the same time, with our good friend and Mr. Dubin, you take a look at what he did at the minor league level as far as the season. He had an ERA that was north of six. Has always had a tough time with regards to command. There's just not a lot of redeeming qualities with Mr. Dubin. Meanwhile, you've got a Rangers lineup that is currently number one in the big leagues in terms of runs per game. This is a bunch that, on any given day, they could go one through nine and have one guy hitting below a 270 with that one guy being a Dolas Garcia thus far this season as they have a pound out 20 home runs. You got Marcus Simeon giving you a 350 on base. Nate Lowe, Josh Young, both hitting between about a 272-275 with Young giving you 17 home runs. Ezekiel Duran hitting north of 300 with 12 home runs. Corey Seager continues it right around about a 350. You just go down the list, and this is such a fearsome lineup. Meanwhile, for the Houston Astros, they've really been lacking without Jordan Alvarez. You do have guys that they're able to reach base, like Kyle Tucker has been able to give you an on-base percentage right around at 360, but you also have a lot of guys that they for average, but not necessarily for an on-base percentage. Junior Diaz along with Mauricio Dubon, good examples of this. Both of these guys hitting between about a 275 to 285. Neither guy has north of a 310 on base. Chaz McCormick has been able to give you about a 335 on base, but he's been in and out of the fold. Alex Bregman, to his credit, he's been able to hit north of a 275 in the last three days, 12 home runs, so he's been able to do an okay job. And when Jose Abreu has been out there, it's been a very up-and-down season for him. It's gotten a little bit better as the season goes along, but he's been a disappointment as well. One place where the Astros are going to have an advantage, that is going to be in the bullpen. As you've got Brian Abreu, Phil Maton, Hector Neris, all these guys that will be able to give you a uh, sub-3 ERA. So they've been nice for an Astros team that's right around 8th in the league in terms of bullpen area. Rangers are in the bottom 10 with that regard, but they pick up Aroldo Chapman to be able to shore things up. Josh Saboris, Will Smith, they were able to get jiggy with it. They give you a sub-3 ERA. Joe Barlow and Brock Burke have been relatively okay as well. So the Rangers, they're starting to fortify that bullpen. And I do think that they should be able to get it done in this ordeal. And I did set my total at a 9.2. Personally, among these two numbers, I would rather have a 9 over rather than a 9.5 under because I can see a case where Dubin just gets completely lit up like a Christmas tree and you just get a whole bunch of runs out of this Rangers lineup. So would rather have the 9 over at current numbers, but willing to lay the Rangers, whether you got that minus 115 or a minus 136. 967, 968 on the bang board, the Oakland A's. They play as the Chicago White Sox. To be determined, it's going to be on the bump for the White Sox, and it is Paul Blackburn who walks the plank for Oakland. Because it is to be determined, no numbers up on this game. I have projected as if it is going to be Michael Kopech. I am seeing that on ESPN right now. Fangrass had Michael Kopech as well, so with Michael Kopech on the mound, I set this at a minus 156 for the White Sox with a total of 8.68.5 for less looking at the over 9 or higher to the under and with the White Sox. I'd be willing to take them on the run line at a plus 105 or higher. We need at least a plus 157 to take a shot on Blackburn. Not going to go into Kopech too much, but I will say it's fielding independent. North of 1.25 points higher than his ERA. He has been giving up a lot of hard contact. It's been a bit better ever since the first month of the season where he was getting tattooed, but I do think that negative regression is coming in for him, and then when it comes to Paul Blackburn, he has been all over the place in that his swing and miss stuff is way up. Prior to this year, he was a career 6.5 to 7 strikeout per 9 inning guy thus far this season. He is getting you right around 10 strikeouts per 9 innings. 
He's also been able to do a nice job in terms of command to an F-Fox for 990. So this is a little bit of a new Paul Blackburn that has been very much a beneficiary of pitching in Oakland. But with Oakland, you also have the bullpen that is dead last in the big leagues in terms of ERA. A team that has been dealing with quite a few injuries. You've got Sam Maul, Trevor May, a pair of veterans out there. But for Trevor May, it's been made A for him with right around about a 540 ERA. They've had to call up Rico Garcia to replace the likes of Richard Lovelady, who's currently out of the fold. Austin Pruitt has been relatively okay as well. But all in all, rough ordeal there. And they do go up against the Chicago White Sox team that did enter into the week. Dead last in the big leagues in terms of on-base percentage on the road, but got plenty of matchers on this lineup. Now, the only guy that has north of a 3.33 on base that has seen more than 25 at-bats as far this season, that'd be Andrew Benatendi. 282 batting average, 350 on base, but you do have Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Yasmany Grandal, all hitting at least a 260, and with Robert, 24 bombs while hitting a 275. That's relatively solid. Andrew Vaughn has been able to give you 12 home runs. He's hitting for about a 330 on base, and Jake Berger, 17 home runs. That has been solid, but Tim Anderson has been horrible this year. Hitting about a 225 doesn't walk at all. That's an issue, but for the Oakland A's, what else it is an issue is that this team just doesn't hit at home. They were able to put up a nice amount of runs yesterday, but for the season, turning a 207 as a collective. Asteri Ruiz has been relatively solid. He's been able to 280 for the team, but among players that have gotten at least 60 at bats at home this far this season, you've got two guys hitting above 226 Ruiz and Ramon Laureano. Brent Rooker has been able to give you a few home runs as far as the season overall, but just four of them have come at home. This team has 32 home runs in 42 games at home, and for a White Sox team that they are in the bottom six of the big leagues in terms of bullpen area, that's going to be a lot of them out at time because you've got a White Sox bunch as currently without Garrett Crochet, Liam Hendricks, which was a big reason why the team was able to ascend with their bullpen area because it was terrible to begin the season. If you take a look at the last three days, White Sox more around that league average mark, so they've been able to ascend. As a matter of fact, they're more around eighth in the league in terms of bullpen area. Keenan Middleton, Gregory Santos, both of these guys have been able to supply a sub three ERA. Do like what Kendall Graveman has been able to give you thus far this season. So if you do get Kopech versus Blackburn, you can at least a plus 157 on the A's to take them. One to take a plus 105 or better on the White Sox run line. One to lay up to a minus 155 on the money line. And, and after less, looking at the over 9 or higher to the under 969, 970 on the betting board. It is the Tampa Bay Rays on the road facing off against the Seattle Mariners as Luis Castillo goes for Seattle. Taj Bradley is on the bump for Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay is an underdog of anywhere between plus 115 and plus 124. Meanwhile, you're going to be getting anywhere between minus 132 and minus 136 on Seattle. 7.5 is your total over and under anywhere between minus 105 to minus 115, and need at least a plus 127 to take a shot on Taj Bradley and company. If you're taking a look at the run line of Seattle, you're able to get this at right around about a plus 145 to a plus 150. Would need a little bit more there. So this is one of those rare cases where it's a little bit more of a wait and see mode as we did see the Seattle Mariners more on a minus 135 on the open. And if we can get a little bit of money there, if we can get the Tampa Bay Rays to get up to a plus 128, we want to take a shot there. Or if we get down to more like a minus 126 on Seattle, we want to fire in there. So this is going to be completely based on late night line movement. But what I did take is the under in this spot already. Set my total at 6.9 for Taj Bradley. He has done a really nice job since getting recalled from the minor leagues. He's been able to supply you with north of 11.5 strikeouts per nine innings. And honestly, has been really good on the road thus far this season as well. The 458 ERA, not indicative of how he's pitched. 369 fielding independent, only giving up right around 2.7 walks per nine innings on the road. 368 ERA compared to a 570 ERA at home. Meanwhile, for Luis Castillo, 
He's been significantly better at home than he has been on the road. 209 home ERA, 424 ERA on the road at home. He's been giving up only about 0.8 home runs per nine innings, and it's really worked on the walks as well. About 2.7 walks per nine innings, while giving up about 1.25 home runs per nine as well. This is a Tampa Bay Rays lineup that has been able to really supply the boom. But last few days, we have seen things really erupt between these two teams late in games. But when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays, we've right now got 11 different guys that have pounded out at least seven home runs thus far this season, including Jose Siri getting home run every 11 or so at best. Randy Arozarena, about a 395 on base, 15 home runs. Isaac Paredes, Luke Rayleigh, both between about a 360 to a 370 on base, a combined 27 home runs out of those guys. Yandy Diaz, nearly a 400 on base as well. And for the Seattle Mariners, you just haven't been able to get a lot of average out of this team. 229 batting average is in the bottom four in the big leagues. You've been able to have Ty France be able to move the line a little bit, hitting at 270. And then you've had Jose Calabreo actually give you a 370 on base. He should be playing every single day, in my opinion. But Jared Kelnick hitting well below the middle side of 200 over the last three days. But he and Cal Raleigh both have been able to give you 11 home runs. And then Julio Rodriguez, Oscar Hernandez. A combined 28 bombs. Hitting between about a 240 to a 255. So that has been something that's been very beneficial for them. But with the Mariners, they just 224 against righties, not necessarily supplying a lot of power. So then it's going to be a little bit of an issue. And you've got a Tampa Bay Rays bullpen that after they were just absolutely dreadful in May, dealing with all those injuries. They were just trotted out there for inning after inning after inning with the likes of Pete Fairbanks, Colm Poucher, Jason Adam. They've been able to build themselves back up last three days. Number one in the big leagues in terms of bullpen area. You've also had Robert Stevenson, Jake Diekman be nice reclamation projects for the team and for the Seattle Mariners. Not like they've been bad with their bullpen either now. They are currently number 12 in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. A lot of that is because you just saw that slew of runs that they gave up on uh, Friday. Prior to that, they were a top five team in terms of bullpen ERA. You've been able to have a lot of guys just be able to consistently perform for the team. Andres Munoz had a rough COVID on Friday, but he, Paul Seawall, Gabe Spire, along with the likes of Justin Topa, have been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. Matt Brash has been able to pick it up as well. So I do think that this is going to be a low-scoring game. 7-12, looking at the under end with the Mariners. One way up to a minus-126 with them. If I'm able to get a plus-120 or higher, that is going to be a take for me on the race. 971-972 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals play us to the LA Dodgers as Tony Gonsolin goes for the Dodgers and Brady Singer hopes to have the Dodgers singing the blues as your total is ending between 9 and 9.5 nine and on the 9 and a half over is between minus 105 to a even money price to a minus 110. Meanwhile, the under is any between minus 110 to a minus 120 on the nine. Over is minus 120. Under is even. The Dodgers are between minus 190 to minus 205 favorites between plus 170 and plus 182, your number on the Royals end. If you're taking a look at this Dodgers run line, you're pretty much finding it between minus 122 to a minus 125. And with the Dodgers, I was willing to go up to a minus 122 with the run line. So we are just barely there with Tony Gonsolin. I do think that he continues to be doing for negative regression. And if you're able to get more like a plus 185 on the Royals, I would be starting to take a look there. Like right now, I'm completely torn on this line myself. I'm going to be waiting to see if we can get this run line to either come down a little bit on the Dodgers or if we're able to get more like a plus 185 to a plus 190 be able to pop on the Royals because Tony Gonsolin is anything but my guy right now as he has been doing for regression for over a year. Last year, he had a fielding independent that was more than a point higher than his 214 ERA right now. 330 ERA for the season, 
445 fielding independent, getting 7.2 strikeouts to three and a half walks per nine innings. Opponents are hitting a buck 96 on balls in play, which is just not possible, honestly. I mean, he has been so lucky. It's not even funny now. Whether or not the regression is going to be coming against the Kansas City Royals, who entered into the series bottom three in the big leagues in terms of on-base percentage and runs per game. That is the question, but I do think that that is a little bit rough. And what has been rough has been Brady Singer all season long as well. Now, coming off of a really nice start against the Cleveland Guardians, but he's got north of a 5-5 ERA that he doesn't necessarily deserve. If you take a look at the fielding independent of Singer, not like he's been amazing, but 5.88 ERA, 4.43 fielding independent, giving up 1.1 home runs and getting 7.5 strikeouts per 9 innings with Singer. He's been much better recently as well. Two runs or fear surrendered in three out of his last five starts. Just been a case where he's not been able to get really any run support whatsoever and been a little bit better at home than he has been on the road. 515 home area compared to a north of 70 area on the road. But what is really ailing the Kansas City Royals is that you just don't have good bats out there. Vinny Pascantino is out for the season. You've got Salvador Perez who's been able to slug out 15 home runs. He's been able to hit for about a 250 Bobby Witt Jr. He's up to hitting about a 245 but doesn't draw walks. 12 home runs and the stolen bases have been nice for him as well but it doesn't really do a lot of good when you've got nobody to drive you in. Nicky Lopez, Jackie Bradley Jr., Nate Eaton, along with Darion Blanco, Samad Taylor. These are all guys in a 214 or lower. Meanwhile, the LA Dodgers. The batting average for this team is not necessarily so great. They're in the bottom eight in the big league in terms of row batting average, but they're also number two in the National League to only the Atlanta Braves in terms of home run power. You've got J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts, a combined 41 home runs, both hitting between about a 260 to 270. Freddie Freeman, four on base, 14 home runs. You've got Chris Taylor, Will Smith, get jiggy with it, a combined 23 home runs with Smith, giving you north of a 400 on base as well. Now for the Dodgers, this bullpen has not been great this far this season. You've got the likes of Phil Bickford, Yancey Almonte, along with the newly picked up Ryan Brazier, all supplying north of 4-5 ERAs. They're back to relying upon Danny Hudson, but Bruce Arter Gradwell has been solid, but the Royals have somehow been worse with their bullpen ERAs. This is a bottom seven matchup between bullpen ERAs, as they are both absolutely terrible, but the Royals are somehow even more terrible, and they just sent away Araldis Chapman to the Texas Rangers, so that's a little bit of a loss. You've got Jose Kuas, along with Taylor Clark, supplying north of a four ERA. Nick Wickren has been all over the place. Colin Snyder, not reliable whatsoever. So this is a spot where at current numbers, I'd be willing to lay that minus 122 on the Dodgers run line, but I'm in a little bit of wait-and-see mode, and I did some a total at a 9.3. So seeing the nines out there, I would rather have a nine over rather than a nine and a half under to go along with at current numbers at Dodgers run line. 973, 974 on the betting board. The St. Louis Cardinals play us to the New York Yankees. Gary Cole is going to be going for the Yanks, and Jordan Montgomery is on the bump for St. Louis. St. Louis, a very slight underdog. You're finding them as bad as a minus 105, as good as a plus 104. On the Yankees, it's anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. 8 to 8.5 is the total on the 8.5. Under is minus 120. The over is even on the 8. Over is between minus 110 to a minus 115. Under is between minus 105 to minus 110. I did make the Yankees of a favorite more around about minus 124, so I'm going to be willing to ride with them. With Garrett Cole, he's done a good job of being able to reduce on the deep ball thus far this season as he's giving up less than a home run per nine innings. He has been a little bit down with his strikeout numbers, but those have been able to rebound a little bit as well, getting just under 10 strikeouts per nine innings. And when he's been on the road, he's actually been a little bit better than he has been at home. 270 road ERA, giving up two home runs in 36 and two-thirds innings, going up against the St. Louis Cardinals team that in their 30 games prior to the double dip that we saw yesterday, 
They were registering 3.7 runs per contest. And this is a Cardinals team that they really are an all-or-nothing lineup. You've got Nolan Gorman, who's hitting below a buck seventy-five over the last 30 days. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. They've been solid going into game two of that doubleheader. Combined 31 home runs. Both guys hitting above 275. The on-base for Arenado has been down a little bit, but he's been able to do a pretty presentable job for the team. But Wilson Contreras sitting at 215. That has been not great to say the least. Brandon Donovan is currently dealing with an injury for the team. Jordan Walker should have never been called down to begin with. He's back at the full, but Alec Burleson has not been great for the team. Lars Newpars is coming off of the injured list. Has not been able to supply a whole lot. And then you've got a Yankees lineup that if you take out the series against the Oakland A's, they've been averaging fewer than 3.2 runs per contest. Ever since their judge got taken out of the fold. It has been far from terrific, and apparently Josh Donaldson is a better pitcher than he is a hitter, because he, along with Oswaldo Cabrera, Anthony Volpe, the entirety of the catcher spot, John Carlos San, and all these guys running at 220 or lower. To the credit of Isaiah Canerfalefa and Glaber Torres, they're both now hitting about a 250 or so. Billy McKinney, he's been one of your top hitters ever since Aaron Judges went out of the fold. You do get Harrison Bader back as well, but this lineup has been brutal without Judge. Now, what you do have with the Yankees is a bullpen that entered into the series number one in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Ian Hamilton, the opener from yesterday, along with Tommy Canely, Ron Beninacchio, Jimmy Cordero, Wandy Peralta, Albert Abreu as well. These are all guys that will be able to give you an ERA of a 3-3 or better. And then for the St. Louis Cardinals, you really have one guy in the bullpen with a sub-4 ERA, and that would be Giovanni Gallegos. Now, you really don't have anyone with north of a 5 ERA, so it's been sort of a milquetoast bullpen. Overall, for the season, the St. Louis Cardinals, they're hovering right around about 20th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. They were 21st going into Game 2 of that doubleheader, but you really don't have anyone great. You really don't have anyone terrible. Andre Pallante, James Nile, along with someone like a Genesis Cabrera. These are all guys giving between about a 4 and a 5 ERA, so I do think that is a disadvantage for the Cardinals and for Jordan Montgomery. He's just been so unlucky this year as well. The team is 3-11 and in his last 14 starts. Now they've been able to win 3 out of his last 4 overall as Montgomery has done a very solid job, giving up 0.9 home runs per 9 innings, giving up about 2.25 walks per 9 innings, posting up a 3.52 ERA, which honestly the fielding independent is a little bit better than that, but they just haven't been able to produce from. I think that this is going to be a very solid pitching matchup, so I did set my total at 7.7, even at an 8, because it's opened up at 8.5. Looking at the under, and with the Yankees, one lay up to a minus 123 on the money line. 9.75, 9.76 on the betting board. It is the Chicago Cubs. They play us to the Cleveland Guardians. Aaron Savali goes for the Guardians, and Jameson Dion is on the bump for Chicago. 8.5 is the total that I'm seeing at Circa. Only book that I'm seeing a total up at under is minus 120. The overs even with Cleveland. They are between minus 110 to a minus 115 favorite. And between minus 105 to plus 102 is your number on Chicago. And with the Cubs, I did set them as a slight favorite at a minus 111. And I made this knowing that Jamison Tyon has been terrible this year. Jamison Tyon has allowed at least three runs in now nine out of his last 10 starts. And I fully expect him to get destroyed. Now, positivity should be coming his way a little bit. He's got a 690 ERA to go with a 526 fielding independent. So, I need still been bad, but gives you eight strikeouts to three walks per nine innings. Really has been giving up the deep ball with 1.8 home runs per nine innings, but good news for him is that he gets to go up against a Cleveland Guardians team that is currently dead last in the big leagues 
in terms of home runs. You had a pair of guys in Jose Ramirez along Josh Shaler, both hitting above a 280. These are guys that both give you a double-figure amount of homers. Josh Bell has been able to pound out eight home runs as well. Pass that, you really don't have anyone else that's been able to give you north of six home runs. Now, the good news for both of these pitchers in this one is that the wind should be blowing in right around eight to ten miles per hour. So, that is also going to be lessening the deep ball in this one as well. But the Guardians' biggest issue with their offense is not necessarily the lack of the deep ball. They were actually second worst in the league in terms of home runs per game last season as well. The bigger issue is you have the likes of Oscar Gonzalez, Andre Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario. These are guys that were hitting above a 270 for the seam last season. All these guys, they are now hitting a 258 or lower. Stephen Kwan, he's hitting about a 260 as well. He was hitting a little bit better last season as well. Now for the Guardians, they are going to have an advantage with regards to the bullpen. Number two, in terms of the bullpen area thus far this season, as the likes of Xavier Curry, Eli Morgan, Trevor Steven, Emmanuel Classe, Angel de los Santos. They've all been able to give you a sub 3-3 ERA for the Cubs. You've been able to get a little bit more out of Michael Fulmer along Julian Merriweather. still been a little bit of an issue for this team, but they've been able to improve a little bit. Mark Leiter Jr. along with Edward Alzale have really been some of your main constants for the team as well. Being able to supply a sub-3 ERA, but I do think that for Aaron Savali, box on eggshells a tad as well. I noticed that in his minor league rehab starts, he was getting a lot of strikeouts, but he hasn't thro- shown that at the big league level thus far this season. For Savali, he's only been able to get right around 7 strikeouts per 9 innings. Just with him being in and out of the fold, I think that's really messed with just his psyche, just the way that he goes out there in general. As he's done a nice job of being able to keep the deep ball down, giving up 0.9 home runs per nine innings, but has a fielding independent of a 406 compared to a 318 ERA. I do think that this is going to be going northward against the Chicago Cubs lineup that you don't have a lot of power. Christopher Morrell has been able to give you a home run every about 11 or so at bats, but with Patrick Wisdom out of the fold, he's the only guy that has north of 10 home runs for the team, but you've got plenty of guys that do a great job getting on base. Nico Horner hitting right around at 290. Morrell along with Cody Bellinger, Jan Gomes, sitting between about a 265 to 275. Dansby Swanson is in that neighborhood as well. You've had Ian Happy able to provide a 375 on base. I do think that the Cubs, especially with the wind blowing in, they're going to be able to go death by a million cuts. With the wind blowing in, I do think that this is a low total. I do know that James Tadayan has not been terrific this year, but I was willing to go to a 7.8. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I think that this could be a good get-right spot for Tyon. It did set the Cubs as a slight minus 111 favorite. So, taking the Cubs on the money line and this total under 977-978 on the bank board. The Colorado Rockies play us the Detroit Tigers as Matt Manning goes for Detroit and Connor Seabold is on the bump for Colorado. 11.5 after 12 is the total on the 12. Unders minus 120. The overs even on the 11.5. Overs between minus 110 to a minus 115. Unders between minus 105 to a minus 110. When it comes to Detroit, they're anywhere between minus 108 to a minus 116 favorites. They're between minus 105 to plus 104. Your number on Colorado. And with Colorado, set them at a plus 109. I am willing to lay the very, very small number here with the Tigers up to a minus 108. With Matt Manning, he was able to do a solid job of being able to get back up to the big league level. And I've always liked Matt Manning. He does a nice job, not necessarily getting a ton of strikeouts, 6.3 strikeouts per nine innings, but he's been able to work on the walks issues that he's had in past years. This year it's up a little bit, but that's just because he's made a sample size of three starts as far as this season. So I do think that there's going to be a little bit of positivity there when it came to Matt Manning and his first start coming back. Looked very solid for five-plus innings against the Texas Rangers. Meanwhile, got a guy in Connor Seabolt that just has not done a lot for the Colorado Rockies as far as this season. Now, much of it is because he is pitching in Coors Field, but 
giving up north of 1.6 home runs per nine innings, giving up three walks per nine innings, while only being able to piecemeal together right around six after seven strikeouts per nine innings. Not too terrific. Has actually been better at home with a 524 ERA than a 691 ERA on the road with giving up the deep ball a tad bit less, but this is not necessarily a ballpark that surrenders a ton of home runs. It's more of a doubles and triples ballpark, which that's not a bad thing for a Detroit Tigers team that you've right now got Jake Rogers and Spencer Torkelson as your only two guys in the lineup with north of seven home runs. With the Tigers, they entered in the series dead last in the big leagues in terms of road batting average. Been able to get a little bit of something out of Matt Beerling, hitting nearly a 275. Riley Green, who's been really the top hitter for this team. So currently on the injured list, and he had plenty of dead bats like Rogers, who I mentioned before, Spencer Torkelson, Eric Haas, Nick Mayton. These are all guys hitting at 223 or lower, but being able to go up against a guy like Seabold and a Colorado Rockies bullpen that is currently in the bottom four of the big leagues in terms of ERA, that's terrific for them. The Rockies are currently without one of their main relievers in Brent Suter now. Been able to get some good performances. Uh, Justin Lawrence, Daniel Barr, Brad Hand, they're able to give you a sub-4 ERA, which in this ballpark is not necessarily too bad, but I do think that for the Tigers, having that bullpen advantage, that is also going to be big for them because you've been able to have so many guys like Jose Cicerno, Jason Foley, throw in there Tyler Holton being able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Will Vest being out of the full third seven. and Alex Lang has been a little bit up and down, but I do think that they're going to do a nice job keeping a Colorado Rockies team that is in the bottom seven in the big leagues in terms of home runs at bay. Ryan McMahon has been able to give you 12 home runs, and they now get C.J. Crone back in the fold as well, but Crone has not necessarily been himself since coming off the injured list. You've been able to have Randall Gritchick, Elias Diaz, hit above a 300 at home. Gave away Mike Moustakis, essentially, a few weeks ago as well. He's now on the LA Angels, so that hurts them. Nolan Jones is someone that, in a small sample size, has been relatively okay, but I do think that Matt Manning going to be able to do a solid job in this ordeal against a guy in Connor Seabold that has not been able to put it together at the big league level. I did set my total at an 11.6. I would rather have the 12 over rather than the 11.5 over just because both of these offenses, they have scuffled to say the least and willing to lay up to a minus 108 when it comes to the Tigers. And we wrap things up with 979, 980 on the betting board of the years and the Diamondbacks at the road face off against the LA Angels. Reed Detmers goes for the Angels. Zach Gallen is on the bump for Arizona. Arizona is anywhere between a minus 110 to a minus 126 favorite. Anywhere between even money and plus 107. Your number on the Halos, 8.5 is the total. Over is minus 120 and the under is even. I did set my total at an 8.2. I'm looking at the under now with Zach Gallen. You do want to note his very big home and road splits. With Zach Gallen, he has been pretty awesome all season long. Overall for the season, his strikeout to walk rate well above five, but buck 50 home ERA, 508 ERA on the road. So that is a big issue that you've got with him. He's done a nice job keeping the ball in the yard. Even on the road, he's only given up four home runs in north of 44 innings. Overall for the season, seven home runs in one and four and a third innings. And Backed up by a bullpen that is not necessarily on par with the LA Angels. LA Angels, by the way, are a top six team in terms of bullpen ERA. Sam Bachman, Jacob Webb, along Carlos Aceves have all been able to give you a sub-250 ERA. Matt Moore, who was in the full towards the beginning of the season, he was providing a sub-2 ERA as well, but even Chris Savinsky has been able to give you some nice innings. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, it's been more around league average in terms of their bullpen ERA. They entered into yesterday right around 17th as you've had... Joe Mantiply, whenever he's been out there, just not be too terrific. That was one of your big pieces, but the likes of Kyle Nelson, Miguel Castro, Andrew Chafin being able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA along Kevin Ginkle, that has been solid. And for the years in the Diamondbacks, this team is in the top six in terms of both batting average and runs per game. Geraldo Perdomo has been able to give you north of 385 on base, and then you've got Christian Walker, Ketel Marte, Corbin Carroll. 
all being able to combine for 48 home runs with Carroll, giving you north of a 385 on base. But he's currently dealing with some shoulder injuries, so that's not necessarily too terrific, not on the injured list. But a guy that has been missing quite a bit of this series thus far, but Lourdes Goriel being a bit about a 275, 13 home runs. He's done a nice job as well on them for the LA Angels. They've got the guy by the name of Shoya Otani who's been able to give you 30 home runs right now leading the leg. That has been amazing. And the reason why Shoya Otani has been so effective as well is that a lot of these are not solo bombs because you do have guys that are able to get on base. Mickey Moniak has been able to for north of a 3 Mike Trout, 370 on base, 17 home runs, 14 bombs apiece out of Hunter Renfro. Brandon Drury with Drury. He's hitting about a 275 as well. Taylor Ward at the leadoff spot. Sonnes, who've been too terrific. And, and Anthony Rendon has been a big, giant waste of money and is injured once again. But the Angels have been able to do a nice job on that front. But I really do like Zach Gallon, what he's been able to do this season. And for Reed Detmers, he has pitched much better than his numbers would indicate as well. For Detmers, he just has not been able to get a win to save his life. It feels like every time he goes out there and wins a start where he gives up like one or two runs in six innings, he gets zero run support whatsoever. But for Detmers, 326 fielding independent compared to a 370 area. The 3.4 walks per nine innings is an issue, but it's up to north of 11 strikeouts per nine innings, giving up less than a home run per nine innings. And recently has been very good. A combined three runs allowed across his last four starts, going at least five and two-thirds innings and every one of those starts. So one trust in the under in the spot. Semi total at an 8.2. Made the Arizona Diamondbacks a minus 126 favorite. So want to lay the money line that we're seeing right now to go along with that under and that wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the Beeson Family and Podcast and a big thanks to Justin Perry over at Chalk Quality Bets for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to find those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at JN underscore D1. Keep in mind letters M, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.